Here we go. I believe the Lord's going to speak to somebody today. I know he's going to. Um, hopefully he speaks to more than one. Uh, Moses was the prophet who led Israel out of slavery in Egypt and brought them to the edge of the promised land. The Old Testament mentions Moses some 767 times, making him one of the most prominent people in the Old Testament. Moses, the writer of the first five books of the Old Testament, Moses speaking with God at the burning bush. Moses standing between the children of Israel and Pharaoh to let my people go from the bondage. Moses bringing the ten plagues on the land. Moses the leader. Moses lifting his staff and the waters parting. Moses judging the people. Moses leading the people and correcting the people and challenging the people and interceding for the people. Moses performing miracles and Moses hearing the voice of God. When they were thirsty, they looked to Moses. When they were hungry, they looked to Moses. When they were scared, they looked to Moses. When they were diseased, they looked to Moses. When there was a problem, they looked to Moses. If they had emotional carabiners, I'm sure it was attached to Moses. These people brought out of Egyptian bondage by the leadership of Moses had rebelled in the wilderness and wandered there for 40 years. All being led and directed and prayed for and helped by Moses. And the 40 years was almost up. The generation of unbelief had, had died off. And it was nearing the time for this people to finally go into their promised land. The land that was plentiful. The land that was rightfully theirs. The land the Lord had told them 40 years ago to possess. Their destiny. They were going to go. It was right within their reach. Finally things were lining up. Things were getting into position. Follow along if you would with me. Deuteronomy 34. I'm going to read several passages of scripture here. Starting at verse 1. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mount of ne mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah. That's over against Jericho. And the Lord showed Moses all the land of Gilead unto Dan and all of Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh and all the land of Judah unto the utmost sea and the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land that I promised and swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, saying, I'll give it to your seed. I've let you see it, Moses, but because of the little hiccup in the wilderness, you're not going in there. Verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And God buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. Nobody knows where he's buried to this day. Seven, and Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes weren't dim. And his Natural force was not abated, and the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab. Thirty days 
So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended and Joshua the son of Nun, full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him and the children of Israel hearkened unto Joshua and did as the Lord commanded Moses, verse 10. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And in all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and in all that mighty hand and all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Moses. God himself buried Moses. The Bible said there was no prophet like Moses. God knew Moses face to face. Moses, a powerful leader, he was a stabilizing force in the lives of the wandering people in the wilderness. When all else failed, this people knew Moses would figure it out. Moses would handle it. Moses would hear from God for them and direct them correctly. They had heard the promise. They knew that they were waiting for a time period to pass and it was closing in after 400 plus years of Egyptian bondage and now 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They were on the cusp of getting ready to go back to the land that was rightfully theirs. Just when it was about to get really good, Moses died. This security this stabilizing force, this constant, this beacon of hope and guidance, now gone. The people mourned, they sobbed, they cried, a little scared probably, possibly some disbelief even. 30 days they cried and mourned for Moses. We were almost there. We were so near. Now what we're used to, what we've learned to depend on, what has always worked before, gone. Joshua 1, turn there with me. I'm going to read some scripture here. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people unto the land which I do give unto thee, even to the children of Israel. Now? <laughs> do it now? Moses just died. Can we catch our breath? Can we regroup? Joshua, Moses has died. Get up and get the children of Israel across the Jordan River. Verse three, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon and have, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses from the wilderness and this, and this Lebanon even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. This sounds fantastic and we're excited about that. But everything is so new. Moses was the one who would lead and we would know how to do it because he would tell us, now? 
Verse 5, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong, verse 6, and of courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give thee. Seven, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. Eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then thou shalt have good success. Nine, have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Be strong, be courageous, I'm with you. Be strong, be courageous, I'm with you. Have I not said, be strong, be courageous, I'm with you. It seems finally God got through to Joshua because verse 10, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare you victuals. For within three days you shall pass over the Jordan to go possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. Hmm. I want to take a moment to walk you through something here. There's a whole lot going on in these verses. These people were used to following Moses. They followed their leader. They knew his personality. They knew his moods. They trusted him. Moses was gone. A new leader was put into place that was a huge change for them. They were used to the wilderness they knew how to set up camp and to break camp and to follow the cloud and the fire and travel around. God said, you're going to get ready to go to the land I promised you. That was new terrain. That was new territory. That was new people, new conquest. That was really different. Verse six says that they, when they get there, they were going to eat, they were going to get an inheritance. That means they were going to be stationary. They were no longer going to roam around. They were going to have to learn how to stay put on the land and work the land and have the land work for them. They never did that before. That's new. Verse 11 says that Joshua sent commanders through the camps to tell the people to prepare victuals. Pack your lunch. What? They ate manna. God fed them. Did they even know what a kitchen was? Food was outside their tent every single day. Now they're supposed to pack a lunch? Completely different. Is not God going to provide free food in the promised land? That's the promised land. Verse 4 said they were going to go to take over the land of the Hittites. Verse 5 says no man was going to be able to withstand it before them. I can imagine them thinking, why, why would they want to? Is there going to be a problem when we get there? I thought this was the promised land. I thought this was our inheritance. I thought this was going to be given to us. Maybe it was clicking that not everybody wanted them there. And they may have to fight for some territory. 
fight. We didn't do much of that in the wilderness. This is new. Where's Moses? Are you sure this is right? Are you sure this is the right plan? There are probably more things we could pick up in these verses, but location change and leadership change and food service change and terrain change and provision change. We could almost safely say everything was getting ready to change. And verse 11 says, it's going to happen in three days. That's not a lot of prep time. That's not a lot of getting used to the idea of change was coming. Oh, sure, they ultimately knew that there was a promised land that someday they would inhabit. But all of a sudden, everything just happened so quickly. Things were changing. They were changing drastically. They were changing quickly. They were changing very soon. Even though they were going into what was promised to them, there's a lot of change. I would imagine there would be some excitement. It's our promised land. But that's a lot of upheaval. But let me read Joshua 1.5. There shall not any man be able to withstand to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. God said, as I was, so I will be. And ladies and gentlemen, that is all the stabilizing force you need in your life. God remains. I will not fail. I will not forsake. Joshua 1, 9, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you decide to go. It is the stable, constant, consistent presence of God that makes all the difference in the world. I believe once God got through to Joshua and it finally clicked, that's why Joshua said, God's going with us. Pack up, everybody. We can do anything because he's going with us. Because it wasn't about what was changing. It wasn't about what they were leaving. It wasn't even about what they were gaining. It was about his presence and God was going with them. His presence is bigger than the promised land. What good is the property if God ain't there? Who cares what you have if God's presence isn't there? Who cares what you've achieved if God is not in it? Who cares what you own and what success you have if the presence of God is not there? His presence will be there as he was, so will he be. Way back in the book of Exodus, God spoke to Moses face to face. And this was that exchange, Exodus 33, 14 and 15. And God said, 
My presence shall go with thee, and I'll give thee rest. 15, Moses came right back at him. And Moses said unto God, if your presence doesn't come, leave us here. Don't take us anywhere. I am preaching to people and to this great church that God is moving and shifting and changing and altering and pulling and taking and removing things that maybe we have depended on far too long. We ask God for his presence, his gifts, the things, but that doesn't really matter. It is time we learn to totally and completely depend on his presence here. If we don't lean on that, we'll learn to depend on things that can be taken away. If all we depend on is the great music of this church to prop up our worship, that can be taken away. If all we depend on is the worship and prayers of our great elders to get us through another day, that can be taken away. If, ha if we have simply learned to lean and depend on the good feeling and blessings, the culture of Pentecost, and not on his presence, everything can be taken away. But his presence, he said, I'll never leave. I'll go with you wherever you go. God said to those people to go possess their promise. He did not say they wouldn't have to fight. He did not say they wouldn't have some struggles. He did not say they wouldn't have to get their hands dirty and do some things for themselves. But he did say, as I was, so I'll be. There's no changing in God. He is here. He is with you here. He'll be with you there. He helped you here. He'll help you there. You can trust him here. You can trust him there. Malachi 3, 6, for I am the Lord. I change not. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift come, is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He is a constant, a rock, a stabilizer in the face of every situation. The presence of the Lord. As I was, so I will be. We can read about Adam and Eve who sinned in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.8, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They wanted away from God's presence. They didn't want to be convicted and confronted by God. There was shame, there was sin, there was embarrassment, so they hid the best that they could 
from God. Somewhat of the same situation happened to their son Cain, Genesis 4, 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. I don't want to change. I don't want conviction. I don't want to be near God. Some people will run from the presence of the Lord. Then you have others when they're confronted with their sin, when they were embarrassed by their choices, when they were in over their heads, when there was shame and humiliation. Nathan the prophet comes and confronts the great King David about the murder and adulterous affair. David repents and it's recorded in Psalm 51. And Psalm 51, 11, David screams out, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Take my kingdom, not your presence. Take my dignity, not your presence. Take my success, not your presence. Take whatever you want, not your presence. How different the reactions of people when confronted. When you fall, when you fail, what's your response? Do you try to escape from the presence of God until you can justify your actions? Until time goes on and you can gloss over and maybe learn to live and deal with conviction? Or is your response like that of David? I've messed up. I'm running to God. Don't leave me. Don't take your presence from me. Your response with his presence makes all the difference in the outcome. And I could end there and we could have an altar call and it would be good. And that is where most of the time you'll hear a sermon like this end appealing for everyone to run to the presence of God. Run to the rock, the consistent shelter, that strong tower and anchor. And we can still make that part of the altar appeal. You still need to do that. But I have been strongly commissioned by God to tell someone again and to direct this great church once again that in order to walk into new levels of anointing, new levels of authority, new promised lands, new levels of revival, we're going to have to quit leaning on some things that have been a safety for us for a long time. And before you get nervous or anyone decides to put words in my mouth, this is and will continue to be an apostolic church that preaches and teaches and adheres to the apostolic doctrine delivered to the saints. I'm not speaking about moving boundary markers. I'm talking about getting rid of some safety nets. God told Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. It wasn't safe. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't what he was used to. It's not what he wanted to do. And so we find Jonah 1.3, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish 
from the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And the storm came. You know the story, Jonah 1.10. Then were the men on that boat exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? Watch this. For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them he did. He knew exactly what he was doing. I'm not talking about fleeing from the presence of the Lord because of sin like Adam and Eve and Cain. I'm talking to someone here about just getting away from God because he keeps rattling your chain just a little bit. He keeps stirring up a gift way down inside of you that if you work hard enough, you can keep it pressed down and nobody around you have to know. Some of you have trouble committing to God for very long and it's a pattern in your life. Because you can take it a little bit, but then all of a sudden a calling starts surfacing again. And burdens start manifesting themselves again. And anointing starts coming out again. Now what? I'll relieve some pressure. Musicians, why don't you come? We're getting ready to go to what God had clearly promised them. It was a wonderful place. It was what they had dreamed about, what they had been told about. But they had to let some stuff go. They had to walk out in the middle of the water and wait for the Jordan to part. They had to make their own lunches. They had to walk on new terrain. They had to act differently. They had to learn some new techniques. Everything is changing for you. But I beg you this time, <laughs> Don't run any more. God has a word. As I was, so I will.